Hi, I'm Jamie, and I am the creator of One World, Your Story, where we bring people together. And right now, we need this more than ever. The murder of George Floyd, the latest of countless Black Americans to be murdered at the hands of police in America, has set off a chain reaction across the United States. People are angry, people are hurt, and rightfully so. We cannot stand by and allow this to continue any longer. It's time to use our voices and bring this conversation out into the open for good. So join us for this episode of The Floyd Files. I just think the, the biggest um, thing for me right now is to get people to act. Um, you know, Dr. Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. And now we know. Hello, everyone who is tuning in live or watching us later. My name is Jamie of the One World, Your Story podcast. Um, and I'm always excited, but I, of course I'm excited um, this afternoon to be speaking with Dee, the smiling yogi. Um, <laughs> I love that response. Do you ever go by Derek or is it always I just D? I do. I do go by Derek. Uh, and actually both ways, D-E-R-R-I-C and also C-K. So. Why? <laughs> actually, so I'm an actor. And when I joined the union, I dropped the K. So I felt that I could still be artistic and honor the way my parents felt it. So, okay, I like that. And then like also like a little bit of the psychology behind it too. So when you're at auditions, you always want to kind of stand out. And so at the end of auditions, they would ask, you know, if you're at the end, and I was thankfully at the end most of the times, and they'd, they'd be filling out the paperwork and measuring you and all that. And they'd go to spell my name and I'd say D-E-R-R-I-C. And they go K and I was like, okay. <laughs> And it would just kind of stick in with them, so, yeah. Okay, it's so funny that you say that because, um, so we have One World, Your Story, but the company behind it is called Capsule, um, mm -hmm. a company that Harry and I have, and it's C-A-P-S-S-U-L, only mm -hmm. because, well, this is on the record, whatever, sorry, Harry, I'm saying this out loud. Um, Capsule.com was not available, how it's spelled regular, C-A-P-S-U-L-E. But then we found out also that like made up words do better. I think it's because they stand out like all the things you were saying. But I like that you were still keeping, in a way, the spelling that your parents gave you to pay some yes. respect to that. So, okay. Sometimes we go by D, sometimes Derek. Derek. <laughs> um, <Yes>. Okay. So <laughs> you are living in Harlem in New York City. Um, is that where you're born and raised? Where are you from? I'm actually from Chicago, born and raised in Chicago, the South Side. Um, okay. Very middle class, you know, two car family, family vacations. Uh, my siblings and I went to parochial school. Um, a black. What Catholic does that mean? Paro parochial. So a, a, a Catholic school. Okay. Okay. Um, and all the students were black. We celebrated Black History Month like the rest of the country, um, which as an adult, I thought was kind of interesting um, considering the student body was all black. Um, but it was, it, I grew up in a very different time uh, where the neighborhoods, there's the, um, the African saying that it takes a village to raise a child. 
And um, that's very much how our neighborhood was. So we would put on our uniforms. Um, my, my siblings and I, we'd walk to school. And if we ever got caught up in any sort of shenanigans, by the time we got home, one of the parents from down the street would have called and relayed that information to my mom. And, you know, we we're dealing with all of that. So it was, um, it was just a very different time. Like, I, we really felt like in hindsight, I felt very um, safe safe and cared for by the community. Okay, safe and cared for by the community. I love that, like it takes a village to raise a family, like all of that. Cool that you felt that. And I, I feel like you hesitated. I have no idea if this is why you hesitated, but I mean, there is a lot of things that people say about Chicago um, mm -hmm. and safety yes. and lack thereof. And there is a lot going on in Chicago, too, which is why I say it was a very different time, because um, we were actually the school that I went to was in Inglewood, which is now um, the I believe it is the, the crime capital in terms of mortality um, of, the, of the nation, which is very hard. It, well, it, it really hurts on some level, because I remember, again, growing up and feeling very secure and walking to school and not really thinking that anything could really happen. Um, and now, you know, and you, you hear the stories and you see the, you see the footage of, you know, random shootings, children going out to the store and not coming back home. Um, yeah, and so and it's, it's just really sad how different, you know, a, few a couple of generations can be and what their experiences are. Well, what do you think and Chicago happened? is also very segregated, too, um, which is something that I didn't realize growing up because my like my nucleus of folk was we were all brown people. And um, and in my family, education was really important. So for me, as long as I applied myself in school, I knew that I could face. I, there was no reason I couldn't do whatever it is I set my mind to. And that was always my father's mindset. Um, and even the high school that I went to was, um, it was the second highest rated public school in the city at the time that I went there. It's called Lindblom's Technical High School. So it was college prep. You took an exam to get into it and people came from all over the city to attend this high school, which was predominantly, again, predominantly black. Um, with We had a, an, a small Asian population, but it was one of those schools where, again, where it was actually okay, it was cool to be smart. So that was encouraged. So for me, all my life, um, I just sort of felt that if I showed up and I applied myself, that the sky was the limit, which sounds cliche. Um, and so I didn't become aware of, of people's perceptions of me based on my aesthetic until I went to university. And that was really the first time that I sort of became aware that I'm a brown person in a white world, which is interesting. Very you remember interesting. what, okay, yeah, yeah, I wanna dig into that. Yeah, so what I remember was, um, so the university, I went to um, State University, I went to Northern Illinois University and um, Cindy Calvin, or the birthplace of Cindy Crawford. Um, and I remember my high school, there was probably maybe 50, 
15 or 16 for my graduating class that went to that university. So I still, I, so when I went to the university, I still had a group of folk that I could connect with. Um, but I would be in a lecture hall with hundreds of people and maybe be one of maybe a handful of black or brown people. Um, and some of the classes, the smaller classes, I remember even being in my, um, my English class, uh, it was a smaller class, maybe 30 of us in the class, and I was the only black person. So whenever I spoke, it felt like I was speaking for my people. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but I never really thought anything of, I never really gave, and to this day, I really don't care what people think of me. Um, I know who I am and I know what I'm, how I'm moving through this world. I know the energy that I'm putting out and I know um, what I, what is at my core. And if you are intimidated or threatened or have thoughts about me and you choose to not try to engage with me to figure out if you are accurate or not, then that's sort of a you thing. Um, and I will just continue to do what I know to do, um, which is just show up as Derek. And that's all I can do. You know, I, I can't be anyone else. I've had 53, now 54 years of practice. So I'm kind of cool with Derek. Did you just have a birthday? June 19th. Juneteenth is my birthday. Juneteenth is your Juneteenth. birthday. Yes. Whoa. Which Happy really fucking into, birthday. Thank wow. you. Which really speaks into my, um, my free spirit, I guess. Um, yeah, wow. Well, yeah. it's interesting. I saw your post. You said happy born day. Yes, yes. And I didn't really think, like it didn't register that it was your birthday. I mean, because that could have a lot of implications on mm -hmm. that particular day. Yes. Um, well, it was interesting. Even though I started saying born day probably hmm, 15 years ago, I um, had said, my birthday was coming up and I was speaking to this sister and she, an older woman, and she said, and I said, oh, my birthday is in a week or so. She said, well, technically your mother gave birth on June 19th. You were born on that day. And I went, oh, okay. I can co-sign on that. Okay, all right. So it's my born day. It's the day that I was born, so. Actually, that's so true. And it's really interesting when we're having a conversation about race and racism, because language is so effing important when we're talking about that, especially in the United States when we're a very politically correct society. And we, I mean, words create reality, literally, you know, this is a hat. You're black because we say you're black, you're white because we say you're white, not because of anything else really. Um, so I say, yeah, it's your birthday. No, but it is your born day. You're right. You didn't give birth. You were yeah. born. I was born, yes. So I've been running with that ever since. I love yeah. that. And by the way, speaking of language, you've mentioned brown, you mentioned black. Does it matter? Is it important, the language that people use? Um, do you resonate with one more than the other? Well, I, oh, I, I'm, I consider myself black in that I am an African-American. Um, brown encompasses for me um, people that have melanin, but their, their roots are not necessarily 
um, well, though, okay, so the first man, woman, first person comes from Africa, but in terms of that lineage and being a part of the slave trade and that bringing you over here, that's why I say black, I'm cool with that. Um, but I, I embrace everyone. I, my son is, my son is biracial, his mother's Portuguese and Spanish and he's raised, being raised in Germany. Well, he's grown now, he's 24. Um, and it's what a very, combo! Wow. Yes, it's very interesting. He's uh, and he's. Like he's what languages very, does he speak? Well, here we go. So he his native tongue is German, and he speaks English fluently. Um, and he has an ear for Portuguese because his mother speaks Portuguese with her mother, but he's not. She hasn't gifted him with that with with that language, um, unfortunately. So. Uh, and he studied French a little bit when he was in school, but as he put it, school was never really his thing. So language, he speaks two languages because he grew up that way. Um, but he, for me, it was very important as we speak about language and words and all that, because I believe in the energy of words and I believe in how powerful words can be. And so for me and in my interactions with my son, I've always, and I said to myself before he was even born, that I would never say anything to him that would make him feel in any way, shape, or form less than the blessing that he is. Every interaction I have with him, I conversations end with I love you, even if it's been a tense conversation, especially when he was in those teen years and he was acting out. Um, and every time I talk to him, every time I see him, I smile, I light up when I see him because not only is it because he's my son, he's my favorite person on the planet, but also because I see him. I see how amazing he his is, life. how spirit is, how compassionate he is. And I see him trying to figure things out. The blessing uh, that he is. The blessing that he is. And if we were to go, well, okay, we'll talk about this too. So my, um, I have two older brothers and a younger sister. And my father, my experience of my father was that, well, he was definitely old school. So for him, the way he showed his family that he loved us was by taking care of us. And like I said, we went to parochial school, we went on our vacations, my mom had a car, you know, all of these things. Um, but I never heard him say, I love you to me until I was 21. And so for my son, I never wanted him to question. I never wanted him to wonder um, where, he, where he fits in my world and how he fits in my heart. And if he is loved or tolerated, you know, and at times I felt like I was an expenditure, like, oh my gosh, you know, because I was a Boy Scout and I took piano lessons and, you know, those things that cost my father money. Um, so I never want my son to feel like that. So I'm, I make a point of it every conversation. Um, I love him. And now I tell him I'm proud of him and I see what he's trying to do. And um, so I just, I, I, I am so sensitive to, to words. And even when I'm teaching, you know, I try, I definitely use language that encourages people to accept, embrace, and welcome what's to come and get out of the head and that, that need to, to make things be perfect. 
because it's not about being perfect. It's about being present, right? We are not in, none of, none of us, who's perfect, right? And, and so my life on the mat is a reflection of me in the world, right? I am trying to figure things out. I am conscious of the steps that I take and the energy that I'm putting out in the world. And that has been um, heightened by my commitment to my time on the mat. So if I come to the mat and I am angry because this shape didn't happen, or the language that I'm using is not encouraging, it's 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 deflating my 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 existence somehow, then that needs to get addressed. Because again, just like my son is a blessing, I'm a blessing. You know, and we're all blessings, we're all capable of being blessings to others, especially when we embrace our uniqueness and we choose to show up and share from that place. So we can get on that mat and I tell people to become their biggest cheerleaders. I'm saying this because I'm sitting on a mat, that's why I keep looking down. <laughs> um, and if, if we can become our biggest cheerleaders, then that goes with us out into the world. And we might find that the steps we take have a little more lift and that the chest might pump a little bit more, not in a boastful way, but in a way that acknowledges how amazing I am and how amazing this moment is and how glorious this day is and everything that goes along with it. Oh my God. I like already wanted to take your class before this. In fact, I looked at your schedule today and I'm like, what can is, I think it's 4, 4 PM. No. Yeah. 4 PM. Um, which we'll see. Um, but anyway, (laughs) um, so now I'm like, wow, I really want to take one of your classes because I'm already getting inspired. And that was two minutes of you talking. So, okay, you're saying words are so important. What, what's, what does it say on your shirt, by the way? What oh. words do we have? More life. More. I love it. Yeah, of course. Yes. And, and I love what you said also about not being perfect and being present in the moment. We didn't do our five minute or, 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 or it doesn't even have to be five minutes, however you want to do it. We can close setting the, the tone. Okay, I was gonna say we could do it. Yeah. We could do it now if you want. You want to like, do it now? Yeah, do it now. like get into I, it. Okay. I thought, we were, I thought we were on a roll, so I was just like, "Hey, we can keep rolling." We we'll get also, right back into it. I promise. I got okay. you. I'm sure. I'm sure. We can always stop and breathe, so that's important. All right, let's do it. Okay, so we were gonna start this way, but we're gonna get into it right now. For anybody that is watching, please join us. I don't even know what we're gonna do. We're either gonna do some sort of breath work or meditation something to get us in the mindset of really, because after this D, like, let's really dig in. Um, So yeah, take us away. Here we go. Let's find a comfortable seat, whatever that means to you. Close your eyes, sit up nice and tall. Open your hearts. Bring your awareness to the breath. Allow more weight to settle down into the points of the body that are in contact with the physical world. Maybe you can sit up a little bit taller, directing energy out through the crown of head up into the spiritual world. Just allow the breath to do what it naturally does not manipulating your breathing pattern, just noticing how the chest rises and falls with each cycle of breath. 
how the tummy expands and contracts with each cycle of breath. Welcome in the silence. Try to quiet your mind. And allow whatever emotions arise to be fully realized. So we find ourselves in a time of great flux, turmoil, Use the breath to ground yourselves. Use the breath to anchor yourselves. In that sea of confusion, the storm that we find ourselves ensconced in, try to find your truths. Foundations that, the foundation you stand on. And as it pertains to the movement for civil rights that we are in the midst of, a battle that is long overdue, we get to acknowledge what has brought us here. We get to acknowledge the ramifications of slavery. all the other injustices that resulted from that. And we get to feel angry, frustrated, disappointed, hurt. But channel that rage if you're feeling rage, channel that hurt if you're feeling hurt to action. Choosing to take steps to bring about justice, to bring about reform, equality. Moving from this heart space, from a place of love, a place of compassion, a place of equanimity.
as you inhale, breathe into the world you want to live in. And as you exhale, breathe away any fear of that coming to be. Inhale, breathe into the world you want to lead for, lead for your children, your nephews, your nieces, your neighbor's children. Exhale, let go of any doubt of that coming to fruition. Inhale into the world that knows peace, that knows love, that knows compassion for all. And as you exhale, choose to do something about it. We are more powerful than we allow ourselves to believe we are. We can do better. We can do more. We must do more. Bring the hands in front of the heart, thumbs press into your heart space. Deep breath in. Exhale, let it go. And flutter open your eyes. Hands can find your knees or whatever feels appropriate for you. Maybe you wiggle your fingers, gently shake your head out, yes and no. Oh, you're amazing. <laughs> you're amazing. Am I okay? I'll probably be there at two o'clock. Make it work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or four o'clock, two o'clock for me, four o'clock for you. Yes. Um, okay. Wow. I love that. First of all, yeah, you're right. We have infinite capabilities within us. Like, are we tapping into it? I don't know. My father always said to me, brains are a dime a dozen. Show me someone who does something with them. Mm. Um, take action, right? It's not just about knowing it. It's about doing something with it. Um, you have just this, like, I mean, indeed, the smiling yogi, that smile, it really like <laughs> brings this energy, this like of love and calmness and the words that you chose to use during that breath work. Wow. Where did this all come from? How did this start? I mean, growing up in Chicago, now you're in Harlem. You live yes. in cities that have a ton of violence in them. Like mm -hmm. there's a lot going on around your world. A lot of hate for lack mm -hmm. of better words. Right. How um, did you come to be this light and loving being? So I attribute a lot of it. I must, um, uh, I, I guess it starts with my mom. And um, And I, I, yeah, I guess it's it's sort of this, she, 
my sister and I are the youngest. And um, my mother passed away when I was a sophomore in university. She died of breast cancer. And um, that wrecked me, to be, to put it, it wrecked me. It, it wrecked me. It shook my foundation. And that's the first time um, I can honestly pinpoint not feeling safe. So my world shifted then. Mm. Um, and then I'm it so was, sorry. That thank happened. You. Um, yeah. Um, but you know, so the flip side of it is that I had I got to deal with that um, at an earlier age than than many people. And talk about an interesting choice of words. You said I got to deal with that, yeah. which I think is super interesting because so many people are like oh, all this stuff is happening to me. No, I think life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Yes. Just like you said, I right. got to experience that at a young age. Whoa, right. that's powerful. Okay, keep going. Sorry. And I, I um, and it, it took me a while to get to the point where I could speak freely about my mom because there was so much hurt. There was so much pain. Um, and again, like I said, this fear, like now I don't, I didn't even know where I fit in my family anymore. My mother was my glue. My mother and I were really close. So um, I remember um, a number of things. So like I said, my mother, she, she, uh, she died of breast cancer. And after, she had a mastectomy when I was in high school. And I just remember her, her road to recovery and her, um, her faith being, ex- being next level. Um, I remember her doing, she would put on her gospel music on whenever she did her exercises. So uh, when they removed her breasts, she lost, uh, like they cut muscles and all this and all this. So she didn't have her range of, of motion. She couldn't use her arm, but she had exercises that she did religiously. She had that music on. And I remember some mornings coming into the living room and she'd be doing her exercises and sweat, like dripping off her nose. But her never losing faith. And that just Ooh, that, I have chills. That, 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 that impacted me. And it's one of those things like, you know, there are moments that 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 may seem to have been just sort of a random event, but then it comes back some at some point in time and it, like it's watered or you're watering it. And in this instance, I, as I was watering those memories of her with my tears, it sprouted this, 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 this plant that chooses to live a certain way. I choose to live in a way that um, allows the love that she poured into me be shared with others. So I'm not hoarding it. It's not, it's not that love was, is, that well that she tapped into, the same well that I tapped into, the same well that all of us tapped into is boundless. So I just choose to send love. That's my, that's my mission. And one of the challenges, especially during the whole Black, this, the Black Lives Matters movement, but actually more after George, George Floyd's death, the challenge was to um, be honest about things. Um, cause part of the, it, part of the reason we are in this mess now is because it was easier for people 
to not acknowledge the pain, the injustice, the hurt that that fellow Americans were experiencing. So on one level, it's frustrating when, and I'll speak in terms of black and white because it is a black and white issue. Um, although I, I speak to people's energy. So I don't, like if you look at my pool of friends and um, someone will say, oh, you know, when they're describing someone, they'll say, oh, you know, the older lady that wears the glasses. Oh, 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 okay, I get it. I get it when you said the glasses, but if you say, like the white lady, this, but when you get into what someone is wearing, then it helps a little bit more because I'm not seeing all of that, right? Anyway, so, but it is a black and white issue because I'm also a realist. I know where I live. I know the rules in this country. And um, to see- oh, That's an interesting way of putting it, D. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know why you said it, but- oh, Yeah, um, and so to see someone's life be snuffed out in such a callous way um, and to have that person void of any sort of connection to the action hurt in, it hurt in such a way because I could have been George Floyd. My son could be George Floyd. People that I see walking, my neighbor's children, the, you know, it's just, and I think back to Barack Obama's um, the speech after the uh, after the children, those babies were murdered in Connecticut. And he said, you know, that we need to see those children as our children. We need to feel similar to um, the quote from Ben Franklin that says, um, what is the quote? It's about injustice. Says that um, justice will not be served until those that are unaffected, are as outraged by those who are affected by it, right? So now, as I'm speaking in black and white, right? Black and white, white people are my white brothers and sisters and every other shade, we all need to get on this bandwagon. We all need to get on board and we need to realize that it was a life that was taken. And there have been many lives that have been taken that have, that go undocumented, that don't get airtime. And to see that and to know that that happens and it has been happening and to on some level feel that, is this going to be any different? Uh, or to doubt that the outcome will be different was a struggle for me. Because I know who I am and my core and my being and I know who I am and, and, and my, what my mission is. And it is to be a part of the healing process. My mission is to encourage people to show up. My mission is to encourage as many people to smile as possible. My mission is to send compassion and to, to welcome love and to give love. All of that was being challenged because in the face of all of that, you know, and I'm still opening myself up to conversations with people about it and, and, and and I'm talking as raw as the conversations need to be, which at this point they need to be very raw. So things aren't filtered, which is why I'm saying black and white. Um, and having conversations with, with, with people that don't look like me, but I could feel that they're hurt um, and that they're confused and they want to know what to do. And then I'm holding that space and I'm and making sure that again, because language is important to me, that I use words that encourage them to take the next step, 
to not give up, to not feel defeated or overwhelmed by the, these circumstances that feel unsurmountable. But I had to take a step back. I remember um, we did the, the blackout. It was a Tuesday blackout on social media. And I, I remember there was something about when I blacked out my screen and I started to scroll through and I saw all these black dots and just kept going and 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 going. It did something to me. Um, because I know that there are a lot of people that are feeling the same pain that I'm feeling. And somehow it became, it, it was more tangible. And I just took a step back. So I did the things that I had to do. I continued to teach um, and I continued to uh, have conversations with people afterwards. But anything beyond that, um, my, my time on social media was minimal um, just to like answer any questions that students may have had for me. I wasn't on my phone. Um, I had to stop watching everything about George Floyd and, and seeing those images. Um, and it took me about three days um, to process. And that's what I needed to do. I really needed to process. I needed to feel all of my feelings and I needed to channel them and recommit to my, to my mission statement. So when I showed up again, I was bigger, badder, bolder, uh, and even more fierce in, in, in my assertions. And that's one of the reasons I started my own Zoom classes because I had allowed myself, if we speak about our, our power, our strength or whatever, I had allowed myself to not offer my own classes because I have teachers that I study with and I think they're amazing. Um, but then I have students that tell me I'm amazing. Yeah, but you know, and there's that little voice in there that just kind of wanted to downplay things. I'm saying, no. Mm -mm. And more important than that, I just need to create as many spaces or as I need to create space for people to come and feel their feelings and um, and move through their feelings. And, and spaces where you get to show shine your light. Exactly. On them for those feelings. Okay. I'm sorry to stop. I'm like, oh, I want you to keep going. But you said so many things that we got to dig into. First of okay. all. Um, I'm sorry about your mother. She sounds amazing. I can just uh, picture her sitting there with the gospel music, working out, just getting it. Um, yes. And how inspiring that is through all that she was going through. Um, and I love that you are spreading the love of your mom on. I mean, that is so beautiful. Um, okay. I'm like, ooh, where do we dig in first? So you had to recharge process what was going on because your mission is okay a lot of words we could use I'm just going to call you a beacon of love and light and smiles <laughs> um, thank you, thank you. <laughs> there's a lot in there but to say that there was no anger during this time period or anything like that that you wouldn't have these feelings to work through would be you'd be kidding yourself anybody exactly. would so, okay, you worked through that, but, well, actually, that's not the route that I want to go down. I want to go down the yoga route. And how do you work through spreading 
love and light in a world, okay? We're talking about the rules of the US, the rules of yoga and thinking about like athleisure wear and like who shows up to yoga classes, who talks about yoga classes. I saw somebody post, um, you know, I have a, a lot of friends in the Burning Man community and somebody had posted, one of the only things that they had posted was spiritual work is anti-racist work. Okay, <laughs> I got a lot of feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Yoga, I mean, how do you feel showing up in that community today? And did that, does it feel different than it did, let's say five months ago or five years ago? Um, yes and no. Um, okay, so, <laughs> I'm like, oh, what are the layers so there? The, Let's dig the, in. The, the no in that, um, my teaching style hasn't changed per se. Yes, in that, um, definitely we are having conversations. We're having very candid conversations and I'm, more committed, I guess maybe even more um, more fierce in um, what it is that I'm hoping people glean from any class that they take with me. Bigger, better, bolder, like you were saying. Right. And okay, when you say we, also, sorry, Dee, yeah, but when you say we in the context of this conversation, we mm -hmm. are having more, con who, who are you referring to? And just let, let's get really specific. So when I say we, I'm referring to me and my students, and we're going to get even more specific. The majority of my students are not black. Um, it's it's rare that I'll have more than. Well, it depends on where. Well, nowadays I'm teaching online, so that's another thing. Um, but it's rare that in a studio setting, when I would actually walk into a studio, that I would have more than maybe two or three black folk in my studio in the studio so um there is there is that dynamic um but also because i am so i love derek i am so in love with me right so when i step into the into the space and i'm holding the space i'm just showing up as me and again if you have issues with that and maybe people do have issues with that i don't know um because that's not my concern my my mission is, and I've already stated, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to offer. And you can either receive it or not. I am there to facilitate. Amen. Uh, uh, Deskachar said that the most important student is the one that's in front of you. I say that before every class. So when I am walking around and, and I have permission to maybe give a student an assist, then I am trying to assist them in finding their whatever shape it is, Virabhadrasana, one, two, three, headstand, forms, and whatever the pinch of my rasana, whatever it is that they are working towards, I am there to facilitate. And it's not about me, it's not about my ego, and I'm not telling you what you have to do. I'm encouraging you to listen to that voice that might allow you to take that next step today. So on top of that, yes, and, and um, you know, there is this energy that, um, this this undercurrent of energy has definitely changed. There is at times, it's, and I think people have gotten a little more settled, and that's, hopefully that's not the right word, um, but 
people are breathing into where we are right now. Um, and like I'm saying, not settled because settled can often leads can often lead to complacency, and then complacency leads to non-activity. And we need to stay active. We need to stay. We need to remain vigilant. So, um, I've been one of the things I said when I, I show I'm showing up bigger, better, bolder. Is I'm welcoming more conversations, which is why we're having this conversation. I've had two other conversations since the whole George Floyd. Um, after my three days of rebooting. Um, I, so I'm welcoming these conversations because I know that that's the only way we're going to move forward. So, and it's not about, you know, creating a space for white tears and for people to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did that. My ancestors, like, you can feel that way. White fragility. Tears, but not right now. Not mm. Or have the tears at home, but then use those tears to do something. Amen. Right? So you go and vote. Make sure you take someone to the poll with you. Maybe you have time to go and get involved in some sort of some of the rallies or some of the protests or some of the marches. Maybe you don't. Maybe you can write a check to the NAACP Legal Fund, to uh, Black Lives Matter, to the color of change. You know, there are all these ways that you can be a part of the movement. And that's what I'm encouraging people to do. So it is different because of course, there is a certain level of white supremacy that is present in the yoga community. I mean, you look at the images that you see on television for the most part, it's oftentimes, you know, like a white woman, slim, maybe athletic, and she's probably wearing like a Lululemon or something that, <laughs> right? All of that, that's not, that's not the point. And if you can't, you know, this is this is also the thing to that that um that I have to check myself on is that great if that's how you want to show up in the studio, but let what's happening here shine brighter than your new outfit. Well, okay. <laughs> Let's dig into yoga and white supremacy a little bit. I mean, why did yoga all of a sudden get so big in well, the U.S. Became, and the Western world? It became a trend, um, if you want to look at it that way, um, because I, I, I don't see it a trend. It's definitely a part well, of my lifestyle now. Yeah, but and how many years have you been practicing for? I started practicing right after 9-11, actually. Literally, so this is a little tidbit, because uh, I am an actor. I had uh, been, had just gotten back from Germany. I was visiting my son. I got back on the 10th of September and at, I think it was 6.30, 7 a.m., 6.30, something like that. On the, on, on the 11th, I got on a train for Baltimore, Maryland. I was working on a show. Um, our first day of rehearsals was 9-11. So I was clueless to what was happening in, in New York. I got to, um, to Baltimore, they picked me up and they were driving me to my apartment. And it was on the radio, but I didn't hear that because I was like, oh, this is Baltimore. Holy okay. shit, what right. timing. You yeah. skipped out on that, like. And the what's really interesting, I had actually initially booked my flight to return on the 11th because I thought rehearsal started on the 12th. So had that happened, 
then I wouldn't have been able to get in the country and blah, 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 blah. So- um, All happens as it's supposed to, holy it shit. It all happens as it's supposed to. So my yoga big sister, she's now my yoga big sister. Her name is Allison Kramer. I love her dearly. Uh, she's a senior teacher at Laughing Lotus. Um, she was, um, she had been out in California, in LA and had gotten some, uh, and she's been into yoga for quite some time. She's also a former dancer. I'm a former dancer. And um, she had these audio cassettes and she said, you know, D, you know, I'm into yoga. You want to do it sometime? I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Was like, yeah, let's go, let's go. So we went over to the studio and she had, a, she put on the cassettes and and it was power yoga. It turned out that later on, I found out that the voice on there was Brian Kest. So he is my first yoga voice. Whoa, so, what are the odds? That's yeah, so cool. Uh, so I got into it because of the physical challenge. And then as I was doing it more and more, I was listening to some of the other things that he was saying. I was like, oh, oh, it's more than just that. It's more than just challenging myself. It's how I challenge energy behind for me now every moment and every moment on the mat every moment in my pedestrian walk as well so um so the she was the um, allison was the associate choreographer on the show so when the show um opened she left but my opening night gift from her was a copy of three of the cassettes that we had used and my very first yoga mat um and I would I do yoga on again, off again. And then like somewhere around 2007, it, I, I, I realized that it was more than just for me, my practice was. And I started experimenting with different training programs and I tried this and I didn't like that and I didn't fit there. And eventually the end of 2008, I got, I finished, I completed my 200 hour certification and I started teaching right after that, like subbing wherever I could. And um, yeah, and, uh, and I not looked back. So, okay, it's been like 20 years, more or less. It's been 19. Yeah, oh, wow, yeah, okay. Oh, maybe we shouldn't have said that out loud. Okay, it's been a chunk of time. It's been a it's chunk been, of yes, time. It's been a chunk of time, yeah. Um, and it's been a chunk of time that is longer than I would say the chunk of time that it's been trendy. Yeah. Oh, you've seen oh. definitely a change maybe happen in yoga. I mean, I want to yes. talk about the whiteness of it. Like, how did that happen? Because it's not something well, that was. But so this is the thing, right? As um, studios start to pop up and then you start to attach um, what might not be accessible to all fees to the yoga practice, then it starts to become more exclusive and it starts to you're right thing you know so one of the studios i practice at and Damn, i'm sorry now I, that you're saying that i'm thinking about like skiing and snowboarding and golf like they're expensive they're expensive yes and they're white and they're yeah super white i mean not completely but you know what i'm saying whoa right that's and so in, in 20 bucks court. a clap yeah, yeah all you need is the fucking one ball yep. that's and it and sometimes you don't even have the hoop Right. right. Sometimes you just kind of you're shooting, you're hitting the backboard. You just same with soccer too, yeah. or exactly. football. Like yeah. you don't need much. You don't need much. So it, that definitely ties into it, you know. And even you know, sometimes in the, um, the studios, there there is that too, you know. 
people come in the studio and they want to put their mat in a certain spot, even if there's already a mat there, but because, you know, well, I paid my $25, my whatever it is, and I have on my new outfit and this is the spot that I want, but if, I'm sorry, if someone else is there, you need to go somewhere else. And for me, I've not really been challenged when I encourage people to not do what they're doing in terms of trying to just take over someone's space. I do say to the community though, you know, if someone's coming in and they're carrying a mat and your mat is down, make room, right? We're all here. We're all here to get our practice in, right? This is, it starts, it starts here. We're a community, right? We're all somewhere in our journey, yay. Uh, but welcome the next, welcome that person in, right? And it's something as simple as moving your mat over a few inches, one direction or the other, allows that person access to the sangha, to the family. So, um, but I, that's a huge part of it. Um, uh, and, you know, and the thing is, it, yoga comes from India. And there are a number of ways of looking at that because it was, the origins of it were actually a little more elitist, more for a certain class of folk. And you would have a train, uh, you would have the teacher come to, you know, the royal kid, the, your royal highness, the prince or whatever. And then and it was also for, for boys pre-pubescent. So they were folding into these shapes because they didn't have muscles yet. And Interesting. You know, I like to say their testicles hadn't dropped yet. Um, <laughs> but, um, it, but it's beyond that there as well. And I've not been to India yet, but it is beyond that there. It's like, so everyone now, um, that culture has more of, um, at least the, the the Indians that I've met here, there is um, there is a genuine there's 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 something there's an appreciation for the simple things a lot of times. Um, there's also a directness that that can be a little put up, uh, off putting for these types of some Indian friends, and they'll say things, and I'll be like. Wow, you, you could have said it with a little more tact, I think. But you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, this is what you're saying, right? And it's like, bam. Well, why did you do this? And you're like, okay, but now I feel like you're attacking me. But um, so to get back to it though, just because I'm going on a tangent, and that's what Jim and I normally does. Um, <laughs> I, it, it 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 is it is layered. Um, the, you know. The essence of yoga, for me, it, it has nothing to do with what you're wearing. It has, it really has nothing to do with your asanas, to what the, the poses, how advanced they are. It has nothing to do with that. Those can change, right? The shapes can come, shapes come and go from day to day. So you might be in handstands one day, and the next day you can't even shift your weight far enough to get your wrist, your shoulders over your wrist. So how are you going to balance? Are you any less amazing? No, right? Because you're showing up. And that's really what it is. So whether you're wearing, I wear t-shirts from the dollar store sometimes. And sometimes students have gifted me things and I'll wear that in class and that might be more expensive. Okay. But I could still be struggling if you want to consider it a struggle to find a shape. It's where I am. It's who I am. It's what I'm breathing into every moment. I mean, it's the commitment to action. It's what you were talking about otherwise, you know, in life is like, well, how are you going to be part of the movement? Yes. How are you going to show up on the mat today? 
are you going to show up on the mat today? Basic, mm-hmm. basic level. Um, Which is um, um, interesting because I just, I'm sorry, I just thought you said this and it reminded me of when I was dancing. And um, I remember one summer working in Chicago and then after work, I was on scholarship at this dance studio and I would go and take two classes after having worked my summer job from like nine to five. So I would get home at like maybe 11, 12 o'clock at night. And then I get up at 6, 37 o'clock so I could, you know, be ready and get to work. And I did that because I was committed to that. And that, that definitely set me up for, I guess, the physical, um, component of the asana work um but what's different and I, and I love dancing I love I still love dancing but I don't dance professionally because it's a lot of work and the work is more it's it's more extrovert and it's more uh it's more about what I look what I can do how high I can kick my leg how high I can jump how many turns I can do and the asana work for even for as fabulous as some of these shapes may look to people it's just about being in my body in a way that is saying thank you thank you for this day thank you for this ability to move these joints to move these muscles and to shine and shine through all of this so it's just it's it's very um different which is one of the reasons why i think the asana practice found me when it did it helped me channel my passion for movement um, into something that was even bigger uh, and, and that's more profound and life changing for me. The asana practice can be that. It's definitely a vehicle for change. Oh my God, of course it's a vehicle for change and not just physical change. I think the mental change is, is what's more powerful about it. That's why it exists to begin with. And it's, okay, how can I focus on those little things that I do every single day, every single moment and take control in a really different way? Be intentional. Mm-hmm. every breath, every movement. How can you be intentional with the actions that you take every day as an American so that you're not perpetuating and living into these systems that are causing massive inequities? How can you show up and breathe a little bit different? That's mm-hmm. all it is. It's a beautiful metaphor, but somehow we have made it about looking good, about mm-hmm. wearing the cutest Lululemon yoga pants, having the mat and a wa- matching water bottle and about being able to get into whatever pose. And I think that that's what we've made life about too. It's about looking good. How much money? How many cars? What style? (laughs) Rather than what are the relationships that I'm forming in my life? Right? What impact am I making in the world? How am I showing up? How am I taking every single step, every single action? Which is one of the reasons why we, um, for me, um, it's very clear that COVID hit when it did. Um, And people can... People have a lot of thoughts about about it, but um, it's a master reset. It was like the un- it was a universal the, the reset. great reset, of course. Yes, because um, we have gotten or had, and it remains to be seen. Um, we just so disjointed, um, so obsessed with acquiring things, you know. And again, to your point about the water bottle matching my outfit today. You know, it's the commercialization of the spiritual, right? And that's a part of the wellness thing too. Going to get a massage. Oh my gosh, it has to be at this place. And I need to get, you know, I need to have this scrub and I need to have that and I need to have that. Yeah. 
if you're taking care of your bodies, right? If you're taking care of these shells that we get to inhabit, why does it have to cost you a fortune to take care of something that allows you to be productive, right? Because everyone works. Oh, and, so, but by, and by the way, if it all was about just working and living and not about looking good or having the next best thing, well, then would it matter if I had all this money more than you and owned 10 slaves and you didn't? No, that's, I mean, all is the same core root of the problem, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So we get to reset, right? Um, And I think- um, If we choose to, if we choose to get uncomfortable and do it. Okay, right. And, And so that's, actually taking me to my next point. So de Blasio, the mayor here, um, was speaking into the, um, the the protest that turned a little more violent and it turned into, you know, looting and all of that. And he was saying that it was the perfect storm because, you know, people had been cooped up and people had, um, there's no hope for summer jobs and this, that, and the other. And so there's all this teen angst and this, that, and the other. And you also found out that it, it wasn't, just if it, what happened, the looting and all of that was not just from, it was a very calculated movement. Like people showed up and they had trucks and they had tools, you know, so, but beyond they that- They were ready to go. <laughs> they were ready to go. Um, it was, a for me, it was a perfect storm in terms of the, this global movement we had to, and, and to your point about get uncomfortable. So as horrible as that image, the eight minute and 46 seconds of, of that knee on George Floyd's neck was and how that's embedded in my psyche and I'll never not see it again. We needed that. We needed to feel that uncomfortable. And by us being quarantined, you didn't have the luxury of running. Oh, you know, I was running to work. I had to do this, I had to do that. So you saw it on your television. You saw it time and time and time and time and time and time again. And you could not say, you could not say that you, you, you're you not aware of what's going on now. For years and years and years and years and years, black people and brown people have been saying that this kind of shit, part of my language has been going on. People have been targeted. There is a bullseye on, on, on black and brown folk, especially men. And we've been saying that. And you saw it with going back to Rodney King. And then somehow that's justified when a man is down and you have four people beating him with billy clubs. That's justified. That's not excessive force. I don't get it. I mean, you know, and you just, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. So it was a perfect storm in that we were forced. People had to see it. The only way to not see it was to not have a television and to not ever turn on your computer. That was the only way you would not, that's the only way you would have escaped those images. And then also by us having been quarantined for so long, people started to, I'm hoping, they started to appreciate the simple things again. They started to connect with their families again. They started to realize that this moment, me actually being able to have dinner with you is important and it matters. Me being able to go for a walk, relationship, me connecting to you, me connecting, reconnecting to family, to friends, to my neighbors. So that level of compassion 
started to, uh, it was cultivated again. Well, it, it, I don't even know if it was compassion. You're making me think of, I mean, it, it, it's the little privileges and freedoms that we were so used to every day that all of a sudden got taken away from us. So we were more grateful when they did happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Which I think allowed us to be able. And when I say us and we right now, I'm talking about white people to all of a sudden then also be able to see all the other privileges that we blindly had and never had to think about that we can, I think, easily see easier, be open mm -hmm. to seeing now because life is uncomfortable in a lot of other ways. So it was like, OK, I can see that. And because George Floyd is not the first video that's been yeah. shown of this. And yeah. Unfortunately, D, there are plenty of people that still haven't watched it because you could definitely see the news articles, but you actually had to click play to watch the video. And I hope that people did because it did. I mean, it shook me to my core in ways in which some of the other videos didn't. And I think that I don't want to. Um, what's the term that's going on right now? Not like it's not like rape culture, but like celebrify like making videos of murder and death like normalized and oh, popularized okay. should never, I don't want to play into that, but okay. I do think it's important that you get shaken um, mm -hmm. in that way. Um, so yeah, I don't know the great reset. I really hope it happens. Like, I think that it's important, but you said a, something earlier about how, you know, unless it hits our own backyard or, or it's your own kid or something, we don't show up. I mean, you look at coronavirus, right? With the U.S. didn't show up and give a shit about it until it was already bad in Washington State and New York. And we're still not necessarily giving a shit about it. Texas and Florida, for example, until it was there and it is there right now. I don't know what that is about humans. Like, I'm not going to care about it unless it's actually in my own backyard. So Will white people ever really care about it in the same way? I hope well, yeah, so. I, 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 I definitely, I, look, if, if, if change doesn't happen, if it doesn't result um, from this movement, then I don't know what else it would take. I mean, there is a global right, exactly. at this point. Um, you saw someone's life being extinguished. Um, you heard the cries. You saw his his colleagues supporting it, which would be the equivalent of, at this point, you know, white people choosing to turn a blind eye to it. You are now implicit in, 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 in promoting racist acts. And complicit, in, in, in complicit. Ways, you're, you are totally, you're on that bandwagon if you're not on the other side. I'm sorry, it's that simple at this yep, point. I it's agree. It's that simple. So, you know, I have, I've, um, and I've tried to have conversations with people that support the orange person. And uh, <laughs> because, you know, my thing is we live in a democracy, so I respect your right to vote for whoever you vote for. But what you're not going to do is tell me that there's a compassionate bone in his body. You're not going to tell me that he's not a racist. And you're not going to tell me he's not fear mongering. You're not going to tell me that. And you're not going to tell me that you're not being complicit with all of it by voting for him. Come on. You just, you, you can't do that. So, so, and I've, I've tried to have conversations a, a, a number of times and I'll, I'll just like list a few things that I need to know what your opinions are on and how and blah, blah, blah. And, and invariably it turns into a, 
well, Obama did this. Well, okay. Obama was amazing, but he's not the president, right? So that's not that's not the conversation. Like, come right back, now. Barry. You know, yeah, that's man. not the conversation. We're talking about what's going on right now. Let's be in the now, right? Because we're in this mess right now. So I just need to know how can you support this? How do you support that? Do you has he ever said anything about Black Lives Matter? Has he ever, will you ever hear him say Black Lives Matter? No, but he mean? will retweet a video of people saying white power. I think one thing that's really important that you're saying is when you are having these conversations, which by the way, really, really, really important that we are having these conversations. Absolutely. With people of varying backgrounds. And I mean, conversations, not mm -hmm. arguments. Truly meant to just hear where each other is coming from. My theory is this. I don't give a shit what you did up until June 28th, 2020. We all made mistakes. We all didn't know. What are you doing today? So if you voted for him back, I don't care. What are your thoughts today? What's the conversation today? And I think that, okay, let's talk about that. And let's just give everybody a fair chance because the veil is being unlifted. Yeah. over and over again. Okay, D, I'm like, shit, this always happens. There's so many things I want to talk about, but I want to give you time to prepare for your class that's happening in 45 minutes. Oh my minutes. gosh, it's time already. Um, okay. All right. And, and um, I want to wrap up. So by the way, if people are listening right now live, can they join your class in 45 minutes if they want to? They, and how would they do it? They would have to go to, well, first off, my Insta handle, I'm sure there's already been stated. Harry's listening, so he can put it in here for us, it's Harry. The Smiling Yogi, that's my Insta handle. Uh, and on Facebook, I'm Derek Harris, although people aren't really doing Facebook anymore, but it's Derek without the K, Harris. Uh, my endeavor, like this year, is to get 10,000 followers. I'm at like 1,700, but there was a time when I only had five. So, you know, progress, right? Progress, Hell progress. yeah. So, because, um, yeah, I, I want to be an influencer, like sending more smiles out into the world. I but want you to influence that too, yes. <laughs> so to the class, the class I'm teaching today at 4 o'clock is through Stacked Yoga. You can go to Stacked, S-T-A-C-K-E-D, yoga.com. You can sign up for that class. I also teach a couple of my own Zoom classes. Um, Tuesday at 5.30 is a Sprint Stretch Flow class. Um, and just go to my social media and the link is there. Um, and then on Saturdays at noon, I teach a power flow class. Amazing. Uh, and then like my whole schedule is posted in the open classes that I teach. Um, yeah, it'll be lovely to see you all, all of you, um, uh, again, either, you know, in class or maybe in another conversation. You know? Maybe. Hey, we never know. Okay. So, um, at D the smiling yogi. Wow. I botched that. Um, on Instagram, Harry posted it. So if you ever want to find out D's schedule, that's the best way to do it or join his classes. Now I would just want to give you an opportunity D. Um, you spread a lot of smiles. We did our little breath work. I'm happy to end it. <laughs> and that's a selfish thing because that's just so amazing and thank okay. you so i think we should end maybe just with like a minute of that but before we do is there anything else that you want to say on the record while we have the podcast going today as of june 29th 2020 about spreading smiles spreading love spreading joy race racism actions we should or could take anything else you want to say now's your time i just think the the biggest um thing for me right now is to get people to act um, 
you know, Dr. Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. And now we know. Now we know. Um, Amen. And then the choice is yours to either do or not. And you get to decide, you know, if you can sleep with knowing that you haven't done enough to create a world that is, um, that embraces all and supports all and welcomes all and encourages all to be as amazing as they're called to be, then that's on you. Um, for me, I, that doesn't sit well with me. And not just because I am that target group, so to speak, right now, but because I've always felt that way. I've always felt that, and I teach it, that, that we all get to celebrate our uniqueness. We get to celebrate the steps, the events that have brought us to this moment. Um, and they are to be celebrated. You know, the moments where you were at your best, you want to say that, and the moments that really challenged you, the moments where you shed tears, the moment when you smiled uncontrollably, all get to celebrate it because that's a part of your masterpiece. So just show Amen. up and share that. Show up and share the perfect blessing that you are. Because by the way, the action, what we have to bring to the table looks different for every person, but yeah. just do it, whatever that looks like. So on that note, give me some, a little bit more of your gift. All right, um, here you go. And let's, let's wrap it up, Dee. So bring the hands again to heart center. Thumbs pressing into the heart space, eyes again closed. And breathe into the now. Breathe into action. Breathe into the world we want to live in, the legacy we want to lead, lead for our children and their children's children. Listen to that faint voice of guidance, divine instruction telling you, reminding you how amazing you are, encouraging you to show up, to take the next step, and the step after that until there is equality, justice, for all. Breathe into your strength. Choose to make a difference. Know that you matter. Black lives matter. Deep breath in. Um, 
light in me bows to the light in you. Namaste. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, dear. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the One World, Your Story podcast. If you enjoyed hearing this story and you wish to hear more, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. And of course, follow us on Instagram at One World, Your Story. From all of us here at the One World, Your Story podcast, we are sending you so much joy and love. Have a wonderful rest of your day.